Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Community Pulse. We're excited to have you here today to talk about a topic that hasn't had a lot of information published about it, uh, which is always a fun experience for us. So in the beginning, folks in DevRel had very few paths outside of being an individual contributor. But as our field has evolved, more opportunities have come up for more strategic roles. And DevRel leadership these days is one of the most sought after roles in many organizations. We've seen a pop up on job boards all over in the last few months. So we wanted to come together and talk today about a few questions that might come up um, as you're looking into moving to a more strategic role. So we'll explore a few questions like what should we look for when considering making the move to strategist versus being an individual contributor? And what can we learn from some of those who have made that journey? You're listening to The Community Pulse, a podcast about developer relations, community management, and all things tech advocacy. Let's see what our hosts are chatting about this episode. So today we're joined by two guests who have a lot of experience, both as individual contributors and now moving into management, which I love. Uh, I'd love to welcome Ashley Willis and Mo McAnally. Uh, Ashley, do you want to start us off? Give a little intro about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, I've been in DevRel for about 10 years. Uh, I've been leading um, DevRel teams that entire time. We'll talk about that later. Um, and I lead a very large DevRel team at Microsoft currently. Awesome. And Mo, what about you? Yeah, I've been in DevRel also for about 10 years, uh, and I'm a career switcher in a tech. So I benefited greatly from the work of DevRels before I worked in tech, um, teaching myself to code and learning about the technology I needed to make that jump. So, um, and I just switched into my first official DevRel leadership role last November, and I'm leading a, a large senior um, DevRel team at IBM. Excellent. Well, thanks for, for both of you for being here. Really excited to chat with you and learn from you. Yeah, this is going to be pretty exciting. I think we've got a lot of stuff to cover, so I'm going to probably just jump right into it. So, I mean, Mo, you kind of already mentioned there's a lot of skills outside of DevRel that led you into being DevRel or taught you to, to do the things you're doing. There's lots of skills outside of being an individual contributor and IC. I just, when we say IC, that means individual contributor for everybody who might not know what that means. Um, but there's lots of things that you probably need to learn while you're still in IC to move into a leadership role, people skills, management skills. What kind of skills were, were the two of you kind of looking at developing as you moved into those roles? For me, my greatest focus was uh, the diversity, equity, and inclusion piece um, because, you know, I knew what it took for me to uh, be successful in, in this role and in this industry, um, you know, after all the time I spent working my way up, um, but learning how to support other people coming from different backgrounds, especially from um, marginalized backgrounds. And so that was, and is still something that I continue to want to become better at and and learn about. And I think that's crucial to being a good leader, especially in this space, because 
Um, in DevRel, there is definitely this trend to somewhat glorify the the blur between the work-life balance. You know, you do a lot of travel, you are really passionate about the technology that that you are, you know, leading in your communities. And um, that doesn't um, always translate so well for everybody, depending on where they're coming from. So they need different supports um, than um, someone who's from a more dominant culture gets to have just by default. So uh, for me, and I'm sure we'll get into this a bit more later, I am also self-taught. Um, my first job in tech, I was supposed to be in IC. And then three weeks into that job, my manager quit. Uh, and they said, hey, yeah, you seem like you're good with people. Do you want to do this? I was like, yeah, I guess. Or that or not have a job. I don't know. So I took that job. And the thing that I learned was that management is like 90% soft skills. If you don't know, if you can't deal with people and people's emotions and resolving conflict, it's going to be a big blocker for you in a management position. And I think any management position. Yeah, that's a good point. And I feel like, uh, you know, the people skills is, is a is a talent all of us have in DevRel in general, but there's then, then there's like another level uh, of people skills, peopling the people uh, who who interact with so many. And there's so many different characters and backgrounds and cultures. And it's just a, a lot of things. I'm curious, Ashley, you and I have talked a lot previously about our own team goals. OKRs uh, is the term and the, and the framework we use internally. I'm curious how, as you move from someone who's focused on putting out content, doing the, the community work as an IC, when you switch from a manager, do you, do you still really focus on those same goals or do you have like different side hidden quest goals that you got to go do that <laughs> don't really make it onto the actual like announcement board of what, what our managers are working on? I don't know. Maybe that's not a great way of saying it, but I'm wondering if your goals are different than my goals. Uh, at the end of the day, because we my goals are different. My goals are different. So I care about people's experience at work. Like, do you feel fulfilled in what you're doing? Do you feel like you have career progression? Um, oftentimes you see people get into management because they don't see another path for success. And I think that that's really hard for people because you don't realize that the people aspect is going to take up most of your time. I am not as close to the technology as I once was. And uh, it's taken me a long time to be able to say that out loud and not feel embarrassed about it. Um, it's a muscle so, if you're not using it. Right. Yeah. So I, I feel like um, my job is to make sure that people are happy. And that's what I spend most of my time doing. But also I spend time with my people as they're building out their strategies. I have no... Um, ego about any of this. I'm not trying to take credit for people's work. And I think that that's also important because their success is also my success. So, you know, if somebody on my team uh, had a successful launch or a successful piece of content, that's going to go into my performance review. But I'm also going to point to that person and be like, that person did it. Um, so it's complicated, but not at the same time. I just want to make sure that people are happy. So I spent a lot of time talking about that. I like the point about, you know, your 
your team's success is then reflected on you. Because I feel like there's a lot of times for me as I'm planning quarterly goals or quarterly OKRs or things like that, where I end up being the person owning that OKR, right? At Komunda, we have this idea of directly responsible individual. And so if I'm looking to my team to accomplish certain things and that responsibility is shared across a number of people, I might be the person at the end of the day who's responsible and accountable to get that across the line, but I might not be contributing to that work at all, personally. (laughs) It's just making sure that those conversations continue, that everyone has what they need, that if people are blocked, I'm unblocking them. And so it's this fascinating mixture to your point earlier of you're, you're not nearly as close to the technical side of things as you used to be, where if someone asks me for an update about a project that I'm listed as the directly responsible individual for, I'm often relying on my team members to have gone and left status updates in the task board or on certain docs so that when I'm asked those questions, I know how to answer them. And that's something that we've emphasized I've emphasized from the start with my team is we're a a very global team. I need you to be very transparent about your work and your status updates. And for people who struggle with that, it's a reminder of if I don't know where you're at, then I can't point to you in those meetings. I can't say, you know, Jason did this amazing work or Mo contributed in these ways because I don't know that you've done that. And I want to do that, right? That's a huge priority for me. And so emphasizing that transparency and how do we make sure that people are are aware of what's going on and aware of how everyone's contributing in their specific ways. Yep, completely agree. I'd love to hear Mo's answer as well. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Um, well, for me, I am still, I'm not even in my first year in, in, a, in this kind of leadership role. So I'm very much just learning the, the structure that I have to support me in my role um, within my company and um, still going through manager training that I have to do that's required and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, for me, I am not doing anything much other than the things that my manager wants me to do directly. My long-term goal in a year or two is to start doing um you know, conference speaking again and more writing so that I can give back because I just like to give back and it's fun to to create. So um, I always want to have some time for that at some point. But right now I'm really throwing myself into making sure I can support my employees that I know all the resources they have available to them and setting up the structures um, that I need, like, as Mary said, to be able to know what everyone is doing at any given time so that I can toot their horns every chance I get in every meeting I'm in um, and make and make sure that they're supported and that they're able to get the things done that they need to do to be successful. So, yeah, I'm here to learn a little bit, too, actually. <laughs> yeah. And I actually I had a question about that because you mentioned that you're going through management training. And I think that that's a moderately unique situation. I know that when I took my first head of DevRel position, like it wasn't there was no management. When I first took my first management position, there was no management training. Um, it was just like, hey, so that's a promotion. We think you should be able to do the job. We will give you no tools. Good luck. <laughs> um, so like, do you think that like, and, and I'd also ask kind of as a follow-up to the follow-up, do you think that like having management training is like, I assume it's super beneficial, not just a drain, but do you think that it really speaks to the DevRel team or is it kind of a standardized, like, this is what managers do? Um Fit your, own, fit your own pieces as kind of like retrofitted as need be. 
but this is general like business management training. Ha ha business. Um, you know, and you, you, you need to fit your own world to that. Do you think there would be a benefit to for there being like some sort of like DevRel management training specifically? Oh yeah, there would be a huge benefit. And, you know, I work for a huge corporation, um, international business machines. So I, you know, it, it is definitely general manager training, um, that would apply to anyone, no matter what their role is. And I am utilizing every resource I can find um, to get more specific training that relates to what I'm doing. But the training I find is mostly around engineering leadership um, training and not specifically about DevRel. So even then, I still have to think, you know, it's a little bit different. You know, while my team is doing a lot of open source development, they're doing a lot of engineering work, they are still doing a lot of the DevRel things too. And so managing all of that is completely different. Um, so I'm leaning a lot on my experience. I don't know if it would be as easy for someone who hadn't been in the industry doing that work for a while before they took that role to understand what kind of support is needed. And Microsoft has about 30 hours of required management training that you have to do. Some of it's useful and some of it is clearly uh, a, a compliancing, like, hey, we told them about that thing that they shouldn't do and made them check a box that agreed. See, see. Um, so some of it's useful and some of it's not. Um, I find that Laura Hogan's books and resources, her newsletter is incredibly useful, but I would love to see some DevRel specific training, especially around things like OKRs. I've never been in a DevRel organization where OKRs are specific enough to, um, to determine what the impact actually is because DevRel touches every part of an organization. Sometimes people have a hard time picking a lane, right? So like, are you going to be responsible for product or content or engineering or what, what is it that you say you do? Um, and so I find that when we create OKRs, we, um, try to touch all of those things. And it's really confusing. So I would love to see something more specific. If only we had someone who had already written a book about DevRel who now has management experience. Right. To write a book. <laughs> I'm going to look through I've, my network and see if I know anybody. I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, no, but I think there's, there's a certain extent to which you know, generic management training of, you know, here's how you deal with certain situations. Here's how you help with career progression. All of that is super helpful. One of the interesting things that I've found difficult, particularly in this past year is I've got my developer advocate team. We have a developer experience team. We have a community management team. So there's three separate teams within my department and I'm not managing all of those people, but I'm managing most of those people. And so if you look at an engineering team that has nine people on it and a single manager, they're typically aiming toward, if not a single goal, at least a few goals heading in the very specific direction that are all interrelated and people are pairing on those projects and things like that. Whereas with my team, and I'm guessing a lot of other DevRel teams, each of my advocates has multiple projects that they're working on or some programs that we're running or other things that we're responsible for, not to mention community managers and then my head of developer experience as well. And so trying to keep track of everything that's going on 
can be difficult. And we might also be heading in the same general direction of here's our, our major goals for the quarter. Here's the main things that we're working toward. But keeping all of that straight and having all of that um, status updates and, and the current status of things in your head at the same time is something that I found difficult. And I'd love to hear just a little bit about, you know, are there tools that people have found useful? And this is somewhat of a selfish question, but I'm guessing I'm also not the only one dealing with this. Uh, but tools you found useful or ways that you found to kind of keep all of that stuff going at the same time while also doing your own strategic work that you need to be doing as not just the people manager of the team and the project manager for the team, but also the, the strategic arm for that team as well. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say anything that you don't already know and already use. I uh, love Trello. I love Kanban. Uh, you can see my door back there. Um, so it, I would love to use that more, but at Microsoft, we use Azure DevOps to help kind of keep track and uh, uh, status updates and loop people in. Um, it's not the most ideal tool for the task, in my opinion, but I don't get to pick the tools, so... I've been using, uh, I, I've been using Airtable, actually. Um, I switched to that uh, during my last role. I, I was a program manager in IBM Quantum for the Kiska community team. And they used Airtable really heavily. And I love it. It's like you can do everything with it. It's like Excel on steroids. And um, I use it. I use a Kanban board there to track you know, what I've got going with my team. And I also have a, a database going where we track what everybody's accomplishing and what they're doing. Um, and that really helped us, especially this quarter, because we had like a fire drill where we had to pull everything together at the last minute. And I was the only one that was like, Haha, I already have it all. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, So, you know, it's just, it's nice to take a data-driven approach whenever you can to, to tracking. So you can pull everything. Because for me, I'm tracking all the people that report to me work on completely different things. There isn't like one product that they work on. So they um, each are devoting their time to one specific open source community, everything sort of within the cloud native sphere. Um, but they're all all over the place and they're always out working in the community. So get, getting them to give us that information is really important um, because they could just be doing such amazing things, but they're always busy. And we only hear what they happen to say in the status update meetings. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I will say Mo, Mo mentioned this a little bit, but um, I use a lot of spreadsheets. I use spreadsheets just straight up because I think it's probably one of the most elegant programming solutions in the history of, of humankind is the spreadsheet. It's you're not going to beat it. Um, I love, don't get me, I love Airtable. Air, Air I love Trello, but you can't go wrong with a really good spreadsheet. Sorry, you got a question. Where the Jason. ops person may wants to wants to speak up and say, "Don't do that, please don't do that." <laughs> Excel is for calculations. Um, but to Ashley's point, like uh, Azure DevOps is what we use. It's not perfect. Uh, it's how we track everything, and we're always looking for ways to improve it. But it's a it's something I've spent a lot of time working on lately, just trying to make that tool more helpful. And I've picked up a lot of skills, back end stuff, front end stuff learning all kinds of things I wouldn't have learned as a, as a manager, but now I've been able to like put that like systems, solutions, architects, whatever hat back on and learn things that now I can go talk about, which I'm really excited about for. But it reminded me going through that whole like process of, oh my gosh, 
I'm Googling or binging or whatever, literally everything I do every day because I don't know what I'm doing. And so I'm always learning new things. And it's those skills that I used to know how to do, but then I became something else within the org. And, and it just, it's that muscle memory I, I mentioned earlier, just kind of slipped away and forgot. I'm curious what, when you move, like aside from like the dev tech, you know, like learning the, the syntax for getting out to do HTML basic stuff, what do you, what do you lose by going to a manager from an AC? Uh, let's go with Mo first. Well, I don't want to say you lose your identity, <laughs> but you're definitely not yourself anymore. Um, you don't represent yourself at all. You know, you, you have to think about um, the way you talk about your work because it, it directly reflects your team and, and what they're accomplishing. So you, you, you definitely lose, as, you know, especially as a DevRel, you're used to being yourself in the community, being authentic, you know, be, you know, as Mary says, you know, being yourself to the community and being the community to the business. Um, but now you're really like, you are your team, you're, you're the success of your team and your fate is tied to that. So um, you have to step away from that um, ego a little bit and, and make sure you're taking care of your people first and foremost. Ashley, you got any thoughts on that? Yep. So um, I thought management was relatively easy. I'm, I'm a people person and I'm also a people pleaser, which I think is important in this role, um, good or bad. Uh, being vulnerable a little bit, the last three years have been incredibly difficult. Managing through change is hard. Managing through this constant change um, is the hardest thing I've ever done. I'm barely holding my, my own mental health together. And it's arguable whether or not it is together. I have an entire pillbox over here, uh, <laughs> that's, that's filled with meds <laughs> to regulate me. Um, but then you're dealing with real people, emotions along with it. My one-on-ones are sometimes brutal. Uh, and it takes the entire day sometimes for me to recover from those. And I have upwards of 40 people under me. So um, it, you lose a lot of yourself to Mo's point. Um, I, you know, don't necessarily tell my people that, you know, I'm on, you know, 10 different meds. It's not that many, but it could be. Um, it, there's no outlet for me sometimes. So I have to go to therapy <laughs> to get through my management job. Um, and it, it makes you think like, hmm, and I, I know we'll talk about going back and forth between management and IC later, but it's made me give that real thought. Like, can I continue to manage through this change and also keep hold of my mental health? I don't know. And, and as part of that, like, as part of that kind of imposter syndrome as well, where it's like, it's like, oh, I knew as a, as an IC in DevRel, I knew exactly who I was and when I, when I got up on stage to do a talk, I knew exactly what I was about to deliver, but I'm going into this meeting with 10 people under me. I have no idea what, what the, what the hell is going to come out of my mouth. Um, I, I do not have cool slides that have quirky jokes on them. Yes. I have like, you know, a list of OKRs, some KPIs that we need to get done during the next sprint. Um, like it, it, I think that speaks to what both of you said. Like it, it changes from the me to the we and like, who am I in this big mix of things? Um, you know, where do I fit in and do, you know, 
am I a cool hip person who gets to tweet all the time still? No. Or am I just, you know, you know, the, the pointy head boss that we used to see in the, the Dilbert comics that I don't like to reference because of the problematic nature of the, the artist, but <laughs> like, it's a common cultural thing that we all understand. Sorry, Jason, you had a question. I was, I'm about to go off in some place. You know, it's just best to let you finish really sometimes. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I did have a follow-up question to what Ashley, Ashley had mentioned there. So back to the ICs, and I do want to get into switching from an IC to a manager because, uh, and the question I wanted to follow up with is, leads into this is, do you have concerns or worries that you, you've been an IC, you went to management, you kind of was in that space for a little bit. Does it feel like it's hard if you want to go back, especially if you want to go back in a different company or an org, or does it feel like you've like, boxed yourself into I'm a manager and there's no going back yes um yeah no it's super difficult I've thought several times about going back to an IC and I'm like shit the things the amount of ramp up work that I would have to do feels overwhelming in my current situation you know with a baby um it feels impossible so I'm like I guess I'm gonna just be a manager um so yeah, in some ways, it does feel like you're trapped to just full transparency. Um, so it's really important. The only person that I've seen that does this well between manager and IC is Sarah Drasner. Um, but she literally codes for fun. Like on the weekends, it's like a relaxing Zen activity for her. And for me, it's naps. Yeah, for me, I feel like, um, I mean, as I said, I've only been doing, I haven't even been a manager for a year, but uh, after the past three years of dealing with the pandemic and still having the pressure to be an individual contributor and continuously be interesting and produce and make sure I'm up to date, it feels like a little bit of a relief, honestly, to be the manager managing what everyone else is doing. and you know, I, I'm, I am also just kind of a people person that the people problems have always been the most interesting to me. So it feels like a good fit right now. And I also have a toddler that's, you know, running around and could, you know, at any point I could get a call that I have to go pick her up because everybody has COVID in her class or something. And, you know, I feel like I have that flexibility now, whereas before there was a lot of pressure to keep up appearances and, and, um, you know, keep that production moving. So it's different, you know, there's still pressure and stress, but it's like me taking care of other people, which to me feels okay right now. But talk to me in a couple of years, I might feel differently about that. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I, I understand. And I think it's, it's one of those things that as people are starting to express interest in moving into management, those are things that they need to be aware of, right? There's a lot of people who I've seen over the years kind of go, well, I want to be a manager because then I get to make the decisions. And it's like, well, yes. And also then you're accountable for those decisions and accountable for your team's career growth and accountable for other things at the company. And, and so there's, there's a balance there, right? Of it's great to be able to make those decisions and make the strategic choices, but there's, there's more to it than that. Um, we had a question in here about, what if, if someone on your team starts to signal that, Hey, I would like to go into management or, you know, someone outside of your company who's interested in management, 
Um, what are the kind of things that you look for in those people? Or as an IC, what are things that people can say to kind of raise their hand and go, hey, I might want to do management, but I'm not ready to apply right now. How do they signal wanting to look for help in that area? And then how do you as a current manager kind of help mentor and guide them into that role? So I, I ask a couple of clarifying questions. One, why do you want to be a manager? And that is really important. If it's because that's, well, that's what I feel like the next thing on my checklist is, or that's how I feel like I'm going to get promoted. And then I'll ask a follow-up like, okay, if I could promote you any other way, do you still want to do this? If the answer is yes, then I will also look at, are they showing leadership type competencies in their everyday? You can lead without having man, like, without managing people directly. Are you already doing that? Are you bringing people with you on the journey? If you are doing all of those things, then that's a pretty good signal that you're ready. And then I have a very transparent conversation. Here are the things that I struggle with. Here are the things that you're going to deal with every day. Um, that maybe nobody's going to tell you, like, you know, Twitter, for example. I do not shitpost as nearly as much as I used to. My shitposting is a reflection on everyone else around me. It's, it, there's so much I want to say. And I thought I'd get that through super followers, but I only have five of those now. Uh, I'm not talking. I could call Corey. Um, so I, I think it's a hard... It, it's a hard question to answer for people because management is a very personal experience. So if you're good at the people skills, great, then maybe you don't need to read nonviolent communication. Um, it, you have to know where your gaps are. And if you can self-identify, then I can help you find the resources. But I wouldn't say there's a set of resources that I think is great for everyone, if that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like they're um, that, you know, I just agree with everything that Ashley just said, honestly. Uh, it's just, it's really important for there to be a career path for people in DevRel that doesn't include management because I think often people think that's the, that like, as Ashley said, that's the only way they're going to get promoted once they get to a senior level and there's nothing left for them. <laughs> um, so there has to be career progression outside of that because management just isn't for everyone. You know, we've all had those managers who we knew only took that role because it was the only way they could make more money. Um, and really they're miserable <laughs> and you can tell <laughs> and it impacts you. And so you want people in those roles who really want to be there um, because they want to lead people and not just because they want more money or more power or something. I mean, uh, so yeah, you know, having those, having those conversations, finding out where, where they need help and, and what they're actually looking to do instead of just um, what they think they should be doing is important. And, and I would imagine too, uh, and I know we're running low on time here. We're going to get our checkouts, but uh, I would imagine too that every company is a little bit different. Uh, not every company is great with how they bring their managers up uh, and set them up to succeed. I definitely have been places where the managers make the decision and they push those down. And then I think there's other places like at Microsoft and certainly anywhere I would ever work moving forward where the ICs make the decision and the managers try to make that happen and just get all the things out of their way so that they can do good work. And that's sort of the, 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 I don't know, the style that I think we're, we're mostly talking about here, but I want to acknowledge that that's not how everybody's managers are. 
Uh, they very are much. Here's what we're going to do. And here's what you're going to do. Um, and uh, I think that's an important thing to think about in terms of, do you want to be that kind of manager? So anyway, I want to make a comment on that. Yeah, I feel like, uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that it, uh, you know, that, that I don't agree with that, that structure though. You know, as soon as you start to say, you know, I'm in charge of the future of your career, that's how you lose your people. <laughs> um, you have to give them the space to, to decide what they want and, and just either help them or get out of their way. Um, but that just seems like a really toxic environment. Um, so hopefully anyone listening who's in that kind of environment, um, can thrive anyway, <laughs> or find another mentor somewhere else in the company that can help you get to what you want to, you want to do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, they, I think there's a key difference between, you know, someone who's willing to coach and bring you up and, and show you the ropes and, and someone who's going to say like, this is the work, just get it done. Um, that may have been the style you know, back in the days when I started working in tech, but I don't think that that's a helpful environment anymore. Um, so with that, I feel like there's so many more things we could touch on here, but this is a podcast and we do have a time box that we have to adhere to. So we will move on to one of my favorite parts of the show. Every part of the show is my favorite, but we're going to move on to checkouts. Um, so we'll go around the horn, find out what everybody's been up to, maybe related to management, maybe related to DevRel, maybe not related to anything at all. And we'll see what people are up to. So there's interesting things to check out whilst you're not just listening to the Community Pulse all weekend. Um, Jason, why don't we start with you? Yes. Uh, thank you very much. And also, I just want to say thank you to our, our guests for being here. Um, love hearing from you. love seeing both of you. So thank you so much. Uh, I've got three checkouts, actually kind of four that I want to share. One, we've been sort of uh, saying bad things about uh, uh, Azure DevOps. Uh, it, and that's, you know, that's fine. Uh, but I do I do sort of work for them and do some things with them. And uh, I wanted to point out something really important that just happened, actually. Because as you all know, when Azure DevOps came out, everyone in the DevOps space, DevOps days world, we all lost our minds. Like, what's happening? Why is there a tool called DevOps? This can't be real. Um, it's still real, but there's been a uh, movement in the space. And we've at least got our YouTube channel rebranded to DevOps on Azure. So we're making tiny, tiny space uh, moves in that direction. Uh, and you should go check that out. We just made a, a fun little video to uh, sort of announce this rebranding of the YouTube channel. Um, so baby, baby steps, I think, is, a, is sort of the message there. I'm also going to share a link to this project generator that I learned about not too long ago that lets you create Azure DevOps projects, like all kinds of different ones, just from templates that are really um, pretty straightforward. So go check those out. If you're looking for a good conference this week, actually it's next week, uh, Cosmos DB Conf um, is coming up. That's going to be a really good one. I've actually seen quite a few things on that, and it's, uh, it's actually pretty awesome if you know much about Cosmos. Um, and then the last thing I want to share, I downloaded Tiny Tina's Wonderlands on my Xbox last week, and it has consumed a lot of my free time uh, in fun ways and good ways. So if you like doing those types of things, I could point you in that direction for sure. And that's all I've got. Tiny Tina is amazing, by the way. I'll just say that. I, I I didn't realize the Xbox had games that weren't Halo Infinite. That's the only game that I play. I don't I don't know why you would play any other game, but I mean, more power to y'all. Uh, Mo, what do you have for us? Let me unmute myself so you can hear me. Um, yeah, so if you want to check out the work that me and my team are doing, you can look us up at um, IBM Developer on YouTube and Twitter and all the other places. Uh, you will also be excitedly 
you know, uh, hopefully attending some conferences this year. We'll definitely be at KubeCon in, in North America and over in Europe and Spain. Um, we'll also be at um, Open Source Summit for, put on by the Linux Foundation in Austin. Um, and yeah, you can tweet at me about any of the things I discussed, or also I'm very interested in gardening. It's spring and I'm just like obsessed with my plants and starting seeds and preparing my garden beds. So that's what's on my brain mostly. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And now I'm in the hole. I forgot to unmute myself first. Um, Mary, what do you have for us? Well, first of all, Mo, you and I should chat about gardens because I'm totally in that planning mode as well. Um, but two quick things that I wanted to bring up. One is very relevant to our conversation today. Um, I came across a blog post thanks to one of the managers on my team, Amara, uh, a couple of weeks ago now. Um, called Energy Management for Newer Managers. And it's a fascinating look at the switch from time management, which is often what we have to deal with as ICs, right? Figuring out how do I do everything? How do I prioritize things into energy management when we're managers? So how do we schedule one-on-ones in a way that gives us an opportunity to have some downtime afterward if necessary. Um, how do we plan for more challenging tasks that might be challenging, not because of the technical work or because of the content that we're producing, but because of the conversations that they involve. Um, so we'll be sure to link to that in the show notes. And then the second thing completely unrelated to anything developer relations, community management, management in general, uh, I got a new bird feeder the other day. Um, and it sounds simple, but it's a, a window bird feeder. I'll post a link to a, a tweet that I sent out about it. It does not have a camera on it, although I've seen really cool ones of those too, but it, it's clear on the back and it suction cups to the window. So when the birds land, you essentially have a camera eye view, uh, a bird's eye view, if you will. Um, to be able to see them. And so we've had stellar jays that are coming by and I've now learned that stellar jays have blue marks on their forehead, which I've never seen before because I've never been able to look at them up close like that. And I've just been nerding out about birds and every meeting that I've been in that the bird has landed, the person has gotten to see the birds that are on the bird feeder. So it's it's been super exciting. Uh, it's called home bird. It's a little pricier, uh, pricier than I was expecting, but all of the reviews are very much uh, enthusiastic about it. And they've, they've figured out a lot of the, like, how do you put suction cups on the window in a way that they actually stay there and don't fall down. So highly recommend. Awesome. So we can now, everyone can now call Mary a bird nerd. You said it first. You said it first. So hundred <laughs> oh, percent. like open the door. I will absolutely own that. No problem. <laughs> um, Ashley, what do you have for us? Uh, mine's boring. All I do is um, eat, sleep, work, and parent. Um, but I do want everyone to check out uh, Lauren Hogan's resources. I'm sure somebody will put a link somewhere. She is great. Um, very good manager feedback um, or manager training. Sign up for her newsletter. Um, thought I had something else, but then it uh, left my brain. So, if you oh, think of it before Jason, oh. I remember. Jason. Mm. What? I didn't say... I wasn't talking shit about Azure DevOps. It just said, it just said that it wasn't the right tool for the job. It's okay. I mean, I don't disagree. It, but uh, yeah. I feel like there's going to be an emergency I, I, meeting sorry. after this. As long as it's not a spreadsheet. <laughs> it's 
not a spreadsheet. Yeah. Listen, listen, your company you is based on the creation though? of the spreadsheet. You Airtable days. Um, so you, those of you who are watching the video may have noticed that suddenly out of nowhere, one of our hosts appeared. A wild Wesley Faulkner has appeared. The man who has been behind the curtain producing this whole episode, he has a very important checkout that he'd like to share. So Wesley, hit us with it. Thank you. Thank you. I don't talk much uh, about my neurodiversity, especially on this podcast. Um, but I did uh, an interview specifically talking about neurodiversity in the workplace and intersectionality between being a person of color and also uh, experiencing the world differently than some people might often uh, have to worry about or think about. And uh, it's right now it's pinned to my Twitter account. And it's just me being extremely vulnerable, talking about my journeys uh, in different work spaces and how I've navigated that and some a little bit of advice if you feel that you need accommodations or if you feel that you need to find a way to adjust to a neurotypical world and you consider yourself neurodivergent or if you have someone in your life who is I, I, I'm just wanted to highlight that podcast as a resource of something to look at awesome Wesley, thank, you. thank you so much I'm glad you joined us to share that um so my checkouts, a uh, little bit of a mixed bag here. Uh, first, you know, to kind of riff off of what Wesley's talking about with neurodiversity and intersectionality, um, I want to let everybody know that I, you know, I am on the board of Open Sourcing Mental Health. We just changed our name. It used to be OSMI, Open Sourcing Mental Illness. We've changed the name to Open Sourcing Mental Health. We feel like that's a little bit more positive. Um, but all of the resources are there. Please check out osmhhelp.org um, if you want to look into issues of neurodiversity, uh, men other mental health issues that might affect you in the workplace, especially for people in tech, please feel free to dig into those resources. Um, on the more managerial thing, I did recently write an article that I wanted to share because it talks a lot about OKRs and KPIs and how those can be different for a DevRel team and how we should focus on what success means when we talk about our metrics. So there'll be a link to that over on the DevRel blog. And the last uh, thing that I have to say is uh, go Toronto Raptors. Um, NBA playoffs are coming up. And of course, we want the only team in Canada to be the champions of the entire NBA because that's the way life should be. With that, I want to thank Mo and Ashley so much for joining us. Um, we, this is a wonderful podcast. I definitely, uh, definitely think that we could go on for another hour or so. So let's look to get you guys both back um, to participate and talk more about management and what it means to you. Um, as everyone knows, we try to fit a nice, you know, rock-oriented quote at the end of our episodes. Um, it was interesting trying to find something that was kind of punk rock, but also kind of had to do with uh, the world of management. And I managed to find something that kind of works. It's more about the changes that you have. So um, the quote we have for today is, there are times when what you do will be mysterious to everyone. Times when you have to change directions before people are ready. Just because someone does something that critics don't like or understand doesn't mean you're failing. It probably means you're growing. That is from the brilliant artist, Jeff Buckley. And with that, from the host to the guests and out to our community, thank you so much for joining us for Community Pulse, and we'll see you next time. This has been Community Pulse. Learn more at communitypulse.io and on Twitter at community underscore pulse. Your hosts are Mary Thangball, Mary underscore Grace on Twitter, Jason Hand, Jason Hand on Twitter, PJ Haggerty, Asplenic on Twitter, SJ Morris, Sarah Jane Morris on Twitter, and Wesley Faulkner, Wesley83 on Twitter. 
Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.